Grades six, seven, and eight can join Jefferson in the youth room. Good morning. My mind's been going back uh, a little bit to. Um, oh, long <laughs> as well, okay. To, to the good old days, the early days of me and May, when I was newly married. We actually moved to Kitchener. Um, she was working hard. I was working part-time as a professor and working mostly on my PhD. So she's kind of helping us live at that time. And, um, but it was good. It was good times. I had an awesome apartment. And one of the things I loved about my apartment was we had a nice uh, balcony. And my cousin had just moved actually to the city at the same time, so I was really thankful. He's a good friend of mine. And so he used to come over at least once a week, and we would sit out on our balcony, and we would look down, and I don't know why, but for some reason, right in front of our balcony, there was every single day a driving instructor class. And so there would be a car pulling up, and right in front of a car, there'd be cars parked, and this was the place where the class would practice their parallel parking. You can imagine that that was a lot of fun for me and my cousin just to watch every day. We saw all sorts of things go wrong. We saw stuff like, like really? Like, you're on the sidewalk. You don't, you don't recognize that you're on the sidewalk? There'd be... <laughs> nice try. And then even, like, this is definitely even, even worse, right? Like, that's not how you park your car. What I thought was really uh, amazing about this is whenever the, the cars were coming here and I looked at it, I, I recognized like there's something about parallel parking that is scary for people. So how many people here would say, if you're driving around the block and you, you saw that there's a spot for a parallel park, you would rather just keep going? If you're like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not doing that. Right? That's, that's not on my radar. It's a, it's a skill that you uh, either kind of gain through practice, or you might just kind of say, I'm not, I'm not going there. And you'll just avoid it until you move to Toronto. You will never, ever get out of your car if you can't parallel park in Toronto. And something I learned, and, and what I thought was really interesting, when you're thinking about parallel parking, it kind of parallels praying. Because prayer also is a skill that you can only develop, but a lot of us only do it when we're forced to, when we have to. When life circumstances get to the point where it's like, I, I have to, I'm in a spot now where I have to pray. And we know we should practice it ahead of time, because when it hits rush hour, we should be better at it. But instead, too often, we just end up pulling out of it unless it's necessary. Yet prayer is a key to being a Christian in the GTA. As we continue to walk through the book of Ephesians, we're seeing today that Paul looks at prayer as one of the key ingredients to God building up his church. That as we look through the book of Ephesians and we're seeing how God is building his church, prayer is a key component to it. He actually prays that the people of Ephesus will have vision. That their eyes will be opened up to what it is that God is trying to do. 
Verse 15, he begins of chapter 1. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. I don't know, have you stopped giving thanks since Thanksgiving's over? That's why I'm wearing the shirt today. I've not stopped giving thanks. To remind us of always giving thanks to God. Remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you will know him better. Paul's been a long time departed from Ephesus. He prayed over them as he left them as elders, but he hasn't stopped giving thanks for them. This has been part of his life for a long time now. It says that he's remembering the prayers. It might be better uh, translated, mentioning you in my prayers. He's by name naming out some of these people. He's continually remembering the Ephesians. And what he's asking God for them is really simple. God, give them the spirit. God, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, if you were with us last week, you might think, well, that's kind of a confusing. Because didn't Paul just last week tell us that every person who believes in Jesus has received the Holy Spirit? So why now is he asking that they get the Holy Spirit? I thought they already had the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a deposit that's given to God's people when they put faith in him. And yet at the same time, I don't know about you, I kind of feel like there might be a kind of a meter of how full of the Spirit I'm feeling. There's sometimes when I'm feeling like I can just sense the Spirit's presence. And I'm, I'm walking forward in excitement. And there's other times when I'm feeling drained. When I'm, I'm getting close to, to E. And that's why it says in, later in Ephesians, he talks about keep being filled with the Spirit. There's a sense in which this is something that we need to practice in our days daily. To have the Holy Spirit filling us up. It's not a one and done deal. It's a continual walk. It's continue being filled with the Spirit. And so Paul prays that for his people. I pray that we at Forest View today are filled with the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom and revelation. Now, the word revelation is one of those words where like, whoa, weird things happen in that book at the end of the Bible. I don't know if I need dragons coming out of the sky and all these things. When we hear the word revelation, though, let's think of use a different word. Another way we can interpret that word is vision. That's how it's interpreted in the NEB. Praying that his people receive the spirit of wisdom and vision. And that's really resonating with me right now, as we're in this time as a church, asking God to, to give us vision for the future. We pray that for each other. God, give us wisdom and vision. What is it that you want to see? And all these things, Paul is praying for a purpose because he wants us to know Christ better. Give us wisdom and vision, not just so I am really smart and I have great vision for the future. No, so that I can know Jesus better. So I can know who God is. 
Lord, give me more, more of your spirit, wider, open my heart. This is, the, this is the key Christian prayer. I would ask that we together, we pray this over our church over the few coming days, that you may know Christ better, that I may know Jesus better, that we will know Christ Jesus better. Because knowing God is the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to go deeper and deeper into the mystery of his will, the mystery of his goodness, of his love, of his joy, of his peace. As we get to know Christ, we get to know all of these things that our hearts are longing for. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us to believe. Enlighten their hearts, Lord. Our issue as humans, our problem, is dark hearts. They're in the corners in the recesses of the hearts of human beings, there's darkness that can be lurking. And we're seeing it in the headlines right now. Some of the most extreme forms are like, how, how's that even possible? It's possible because hearts are darkened. And that's why we need our hearts enlightened or opened. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. We as humans right now, I think we pride ourselves in our, our intellect. Maybe our emotional intelligence is a little bit lower than it should be, some of us. But our spiritual intelligence is often negligible. The chief problem of humanity is that our hearts are darkened to God. We talk about our five senses and we get information by, mm, I smell this, I taste this, I touch that, I hear this, I see this. But we forget there's a, a whole other way of knowing. And that's a spiritual knowing. And that's what Paul is praying. And that's what we should be praying for ourselves, that we would know God through our hearts. Our hearts isn't just, by the way, our emotions part of it, but in, in the Hebrew and in, the, in this mindset, it's the idea that it's your whole being. That, that part of you is the, the unity of who you are in your spirit before God. Would we be able to see our eyes open and see him here today? He's here. But we get so blind to the ways of God because our eyes are open to him. And at the same time, what, what I, I find very promising about this is it's not something that Paul's telling us to do. Hey, open up your heart eyes. It's not that simple. It's not something that we can just manufacture. Oh, today I'm going to do this. It's actually something that God bestows upon us through his spirit. And, and this is a prayer. Lord, would you allow their hearts to open? Would you allow my eyes in my heart to open to you? Can I, can I see you? 
This is a great Jesus-centered prayer. What he's asking is, is that we will be able to know who Jesus is better. If, if our eyes get, get open to the spirit of wisdom and, and this spirit, we're going to start seeing that we have a great hope. The hope that he's called us to is this amazing hope that there is uh, going to be everything that's broken brought to healing. All the hurt will become joy. This is a beautiful promise, a beautiful hope. The riches of our glorious inheritance is this idea that someday we will be walking on a new creation. And all the groaning has stopped. And there's rejoicing. This is a, this is a, a powerful God. And what, what my prayer is for us is as we walk down the street, would, would our eyes be open? When I see the decimation of poverty, I look at that and, 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 and I'd be able to see the hope that someday that's going to be fixed. When I see sickness that... that Open my eyes, or let me see the healing that you want to be bringing to this place. If we lived our lives and walked like that, that'd be a beautiful thing. Because this power he has is, is incredible. He goes on to describe the power. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. He sealed him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, Every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Paul has returned to his vision statement from last week. Remember the vision that God has, the plan that he has for all of creation, is that Christ will rule over all. Not in an authoritarian, dictatorial way, in a way that upholds and loves and cares for us, like a loving father for his children, like a mother cradling her child. This is the picture of Jesus with all of humanity. And Paul's returning this. This is the power that Christ has been given. This is the vision that he's trying to open our eyes to see. And we walk around, we see the redemptive power of Christ crackling. He fills everything in every way. That's why we gather here today. He brings us together so that we will remember who he is and what he's up to. And that he can use us and bless us and use the gifts that he's given to us. And this is what Paul's asking God to show us. The vision of Jesus over all things. Imagine if you lived your life in light of that. I imagine, I think to myself, what would it look like? It would change everything. As I walked about my daily rhythm, when I saw the world, I would see Christ and what he's wanting to do. It would change everything. It would change the very way I looked at the world as I walked about it. As a picture of this kind of Change or how, how drastic it would be to live in this light of my opened heart. I, I saw a video on the internet, and, and I'm a bit of a medieval nerd. So when I see medieval people walk differently, I was like, oh, that's very fascinating. And I clicked on the video, and there was this man dressed 
very colorfully, almost like a court jester, like a, a medieval citizen. And he started talking about what it was like in the medieval ages. Actually, if you look at pictures of the medieval times, there's, see how they're walking, how their feet are kind of up in the air? People just thought that was kind of artistic renderings. But what they realize now is that's actually the way people walked. In the 1500s, our shoes changed. We started getting what we call hard soles. The reason is because we started having uh, paved roads and hard roads, and so you'd walk on them. And our actual structure of walking changed. Because I guess the, one of the things about the body is you will preserve energy if you can. And now you had less danger on the, the path you were walking on. So instead of walking as they used to walk, you would walk with the ball of your foot first. You walk, you put your foot down, walk, you put your foot down. That's how we all walk, basically. But how they used to walk was a little more careful. They put their foot forward, toes down first. It's kind of like uh, you're tiptoeing to get your presence under the tree early so your parents don't see you. Or you're, you're putting your foot forward to make sure you don't step on something sharp or get like a slug squished between your toes or something. And when he talked about this, he started actually practicing this walk. And he says what he was surprised was there's a few things about it. First of all, he started getting awesome calf muscles. Because you, you don't realize that you walk in a way that kind of preserves your energy. You actually build up your muscles. The other thing he said was that you actually, you can't slouch. We walk, we can slouch. We walk how we want, you know. Because we can, we can become more lazy. But when you walk like this, you actually have to be, and actually your hands go a little bit more. So that's why they always have these weird pictures of the medieval people. They walk, it looks different. And I was thinking about this whole idea of, of being a, a heel walker, kind of. preserving the energy or whatever, more, a little bit more lazy. And I wonder, as I walk about my Christian life, as I walk about my spiritual walk, if I'm, if I'm a, more of a heel walker. Here in the suburbs, we got it pretty easy, right? We're walking on the pavement. In our spiritual walk, it's really easy to kind of be on our heels spiritually. We're not always on our toes spiritually. And we don't even see it because we're just, just the natural way we go about our walk. Just as we don't, we never, you probably never thought of how you walked before. Our spiritual walk, I believe, in North America is basically we try hard. We try to live a good, godly life. We see all the talents we've been given. I better do good things with this. And I, and I, I go about working at it because. In many ways, I don't naturally feel that I need God. We live in probably the most affluent area of all of Canada, in one of the most affluent countries of all the world. We don't need God to give us food. We don't need God to give us shelter. We don't need God to give us money. Now we do, of course. We don't in our minds. We pray, give us our daily bread. We don't, we don't really worry about bread. But people, for a long time, prayed, give us our daily bread, God, because they needed bread. And they needed their God. What it would it be like 
to walk about our spiritual life knowing the need we had for God. That we need him to open our hearts. What it looked like if my spiritual walk was always going about it, realizing that God was present with me and stepping each step forward in light of him. I think my own spiritual walk has been too often focused on trying and failing. Wouldn't it be beautiful if my natural state was prayerful? That's how I walked. If I woke up with eyes in my heart on Jesus. If just keeping on my toes spiritually, just, just how I approach life generally, this is part of who I was subconsciously. How does that change? How do we walk regularly with our spiritual eyes wide open? It's a bit like parallel parking, I think, as I started thinking about this week. It's, it's, it takes practice. Right? At first, it's really complicated. It looks like you're almost doing trigonometry trying to get into that parallel spot. It's like, oh. But eventually, it becomes part of who you are. It takes a lot of practice. And I believe this is stretching us. It gives us new spiritual muscles as we start to walk in this way, keeping us straight and focused. To become a praying church, there is no magic pill. It's simply people giving God time. If you want to know his incomparable hope and riches and power, then we have to give time for him just to open up our hearts. For him to do that work. Yesterday we had a leadership team retreat. It was wonderful down by the lake and so grateful for the time. And I remember sitting around the table having some pizza at lunch and just this topic of prayer just kind of popped up. And we started thinking, what would it look like if you were like a praying church? If, if people thought, well, Forrest, you, that's a praying church. What would that look like? And we started imagining, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, after service, when we're talking to people, if someone said, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this or this happened in life, we just stopped in that moment and prayed with them. If we took time to pray for each other regularly, just made that part of who we are, that'd be a a beautiful picture of a community, remembering who they are and who God is. So I've been praying about this and asking for a vision of a praying church. And I realized that instead of talking about it, maybe we just need to see it and do it. And so I know it's uncomfortable. So I'm warning you ahead of time. Could we pray with one another right now? We have this thing, a, a tradition called talking church. Again, we talk about the, the priesthood of all believers, how this is part of the ethos of who we are as a church, that all of us have a part to play and a role to play. And so I just want to ask, we have some microphones. If you, maybe not you, 
if the Holy Spirit maybe is laying on your heart a prayer for our church, can we take a moment and hear our church pray? Jesus, we thank you for your grace upon our lives. We thank you for the Forest View Church. Thank you for the leadership. We thank you for every soul represented here today. We thank you for where you're taking us to. We thank you for calling us to be your children. We thank you for the salvation of our souls. As a body, we ask that um, as your word has touched us today, Lord, that you take us to a place like never before, and that from today we're going to seek you day and night and hear what you want us to do in our lives. We pray I be a part of our beings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We take a moment to silently to pray on our own as well. God, we admit our propensity to live lives in our own uh, power and for ourselves, oh God, and uh, Father, faced with uh, your word once again uh, and uh, just how much are we characterized by, uh, by prayer and by confession of our sins before you, oh God, and, and uh, just coming into a uh, true, honest relationship uh, with you, O oh God. Father, in the busyness of life, it's uh, so easy uh, to let this all slip. O oh God, we uh, admit that we're um, people that um, we, we do fall short of your standard, O oh God, but we thank you for your grace and uh, once again in your grace just reminding us of what your desire for our lives is uh, as a church. And so, oh God, we, uh, we ask you to uh, strengthen us. Give us, uh, give us courage, oh God. Give us discipline in our lives to uh, spend the time to pray. We know, oh God, that uh, you have so many promises uh, that you've made to us, how you would lead us, guide us, give us wisdom, um, give us your power in our lives as we give you freedom. And, uh, and uh, yet, oh God, we still, by default, just try and do things on our own. So, Father, for each of us uh, here at Forest View, oh God, speak deep into our lives, into our hearts and into our minds. And, uh, oh God, um, uh, may we be a people that 
uh, intentionally is uh, sensitive and caring about uh, the needs that each of our brothers and sisters has here and um, help us as we try and make time to pray. Uh, God, Father, we, we're blessed. We're, this is a wonderful church. It's a wonderful church community. And yet, oh God, we, we certainly believe that you could take us places that would just be amazing, where we would look at the evidence of your power working and, and be in awe if we were uh, prostrate and praying uh, before you and honestly seeking uh, your will for our lives individually as a church and also allowing your power to work freely in, uh, in our hearts um, and in our church. So God, we uh, thank you for this wonderful privilege of prayer. In Christ's name. Our dear sweet Lord, we ask that you be with each member of our church and in each of their households and all the members in each of those households our children, our children's children. We ask that you give us more power, more intellect, more of the Holy Spirit that we can better serve you and follow your ways and be the best examples that we can be to those that we interact with on a daily basis. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I, I believe Guy is a little bit like my cousin and I on the balcony. When someone parallel parked correctly, we'd stand up and we start clapping. God is excited about a praying church. I see a church that's begun to wake up and is filled with spiritual power and, and is able to look into Halton and, and see with his eyes what it is that he wants to do and a people ready to carry it out. I like to ask all to pray and I, and I thought there's a, a classic song that I love, Open the Eyes of My Heart Sword and then, you know I'm not a good singer but you know I like to do this anyways because so let's just, can we pray this together? I have the words up on the screen. Just go through it once. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of our hearts. We want to see you. We want to see you. See you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory, pour out your mercy and love, and we cry, holy, holy, holy. We want to see you, God. Open our eyes and our hearts to see and know Jesus. Lord, as we gather today around the table, may we know and see Jesus through the bread. He broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. 
He's brought us together as broken people to be his body. To see him in the cup, but he said as it was filled, that it's just like his blood being poured out. That he gave of himself to forgive us for all the times we forget him. For anything that we've done wrong to him or others that, that has washed clean, that we can stand in forgiveness and in that power. Lord, as we gather to the table today, would you open our eyes? Would we see Jesus? Would we see the vision he has for us as the church and for all of history? That he brings it all to being made well again healing and love, redemption and power. May we today experience knowledge of Christ. May you fill us with his Holy Spirit. Amen.